Yeah, just seeing him like looking at it, you know, grabbing that side and that oblique area, you know, intercostal, whatever you want to call it. Hopefully it's something he just felt. And the one thing we didn't want to do is take another swing and do more damage. Uh, if there's, if there's, you know, I'm, I mean, obviously there's something, um, but did not want him taking another swing at that point uh, and then tearing or ripping or making it worse. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what, what goes on with, uh, with the trainers in the back and if there's going to be any testing. I, I don't know any of that yet, but um, and that's what we that's what we've seen. We're able to see. And then with Pablo today, his changeup was really effective there. What did you see out of him, his outing overall, and then specifically that sixth inning being able to get out of the base of jam? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Fights, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. Now also a weekly segment on Slam Radio's Miami Herald Sports Hour on Sirius XM. I'm Jordan McPherson, joined once again by Andre Fernandez. Dre, how have you been, man? I'm hanging in there, man. Look, enjoyed a nice weekend. How about you? How, how, how was the? Uh, how, how are you feeling back being at home before you have to be on a plane constantly, going literally from West Coast to East Coast? Big road trip coming up for you. Yeah, you mean being back for a grand total of maybe a week before eleven day three that, city road trip? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like a tra- you got you're treasuring the downtime, the, not downtime, but the home time because pretty soon, I mean, you're gonna spend like about three weeks. We're pretty much it, it's gonna be living out of the, the the suitcase again. Yeah, I mean, luckily I put the laundry in this morning and it's going right back into the suitcase, and it'll <laughs> just be lather, rinse, repeat for the next month or so. But you know what? The Marlins are looking good. They're it's been enjoyable baseball games to watch. I love, I love, I love how I say suitcase, and like it, it sounds like the, the you know the big boxy ones. Like no, 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 no. Like the, in the roller, I should say. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The roller get fill the backpack up with a little bit of extra stuff since I've got an extra big old Samsonite like they used to use. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. But again, there's been some good baseball games. How things move as they how things transpire as they move forward will be interesting to watch but before we dive into the team overall we have to dive into what happened in the ninth inning on sunday in their 1-0 loss against the giants yep darling Marte comes up to bat two outs no on final batter in a one nothing game one one count and he gets pulled after pointing towards his left oblique area Don Mattingly obviously makes a smart call to not let him take another swing and not risk further injuring whatever the injury might be. We still don't know specifics on it, but the fact that Starling Marte might miss time, especially after the start he's had and the consistency that he's brought, that's going to be a major question mark moving forward with this team, figuring out what they would do to replace a guy that really feels irreplaceable on this roster right now. Yeah. I mean, you look at, we were talking about that. I think one of the last pods we did about how important he was going to be to this team. And I think even the numbers back it up. I mean, you look at their war right now, besides Jazz Chisholm, who's leading the team with a 0.9. I mean, no one's, no one's got a glaring number, but Starling had 0.7, you know, runs uh, produced, you know, 
just the, the the value one wins above average is second behind Jazz. Pretty much all the metrics that show you the offensive value that this guy that that he gives the team is right there behind you know only the kid who's been the phenom right now for this team. So it's a it's a big loss. And then you talk about also on the defensive end. I mean he in center field. You knew how you set everything up. You had your guys. Now you got to scramble and figure out how to replace this guy who's a solid defender and brings experience, you know, a good guy, you know, good overall, you know, veteran to have there in the clubhouse as well. But even just the the hitting value, I mean, he was always the guy that seemed to give you, you know, the clutch hits when you need it. And this team right now, it's a shame because they were starting to get some momentum. You know, they hit a little you know a bump again on Sunday even before Marte you know got shut down again but it looked like they were getting into a little bit of an offensive rhythm with him right in at the heart of it and now you know big loss and you know how it is obliques hamstrings you know hey you know I'm not gonna swear on the show but they're you know you know what they are and and they take a while to get over so if it's an oblique and and it's not looking like it's going to be anything where you, you'd see him back, you know, in the next few days or something like that. And that's it. And that's, that's going to hurt, but they have some scenarios. And I know you wrote about them, you know, yesterday about just kind of the options they had. I mean, some of them, if you want to, you know, just go dive into those, maybe they can switch up the way they have their outfield deployed right now. Maybe, you know, it's a matter of putting Dickerson in center you know, playing Coop in the, you know, for people, well, for people that want to Gary Cooper in there all the time, congratulations. Now we're going to see Coop in there probably a lot in right field from the looks of it, or, or at least that's the potential scenario there. But let, let, you know, because you, you wrote about it, Jordan, dive into some of those options. I think the Dickerson one is an interesting one if you put him in center. Yeah, definitely. I mean, before I dive into that, I just want to go through a little bit more with Marte. 18 hits leads the team. 15 runs scored leads the team. His war among center fielders is behind only Mike Trout so far this season. Yes, it's early, but that just provides as much perspective as I think you need. Defensively, he's fourth best in terms of defensive metrics by fan graphs among center fielders. Right. No matter who you put in there, you're going to see a drop-off, which is going to make it even more important for the Marlins to be the whole being better than the sum of their parts in, in some scenario as they go through this outfield. But yeah, the scenarios that they have right now, I mean, it really, it's a matter of how much the conundrum of whether they're going to prioritize their offensive production or their defensive production. If you want to prioritize offense, you're going to move Corey Dickerson from left field to center and then have Adam Duvall and Garrett Cooper as your primary guys in left and right. If you prioritize the defensive side of it, you're going to have to basically platoon, I would, in my mind, you're going to have to platoon Magnery Sierra and Lewis Brinson in center and then keep your guy, keep Corey Dickerson in left and use, continue that revolving door of Cooper, Aguilar, Duvall with the right field first base like they've been doing all year. And it just, it's going to be interesting, especially with you have the two games left this homestand against Baltimore Orioles. Then you go to San Francisco, an equally big ballpark where you're going to have to figure out, are you willing to sacrifice as much defense as you probably are if you want to keep the offense going? So yeah, it would, really just, yeah. yeah, really just figure it. It's just a matter of which philosophy Matt, Madden League's going to have to decide with as he moves forward. 
I mean, I'll take option one. Uh, you know, I'm gonna say Aaron, not. I'll, I'll take option one, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the uh, I, 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 that's why I think I brought up going with Dickerson first when we we're talking about it because this team can't sacrifice offense. You know, it's 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 too precious when they can get it. You know, we know it's a team that's like you know pitch pitcher driven, starting pitcher driven for the most part. So. I'd rather take my chances. I think they're overall, it's a solid fielding team in the outfield. You know, if there's a slight drop off, I would take my chances on that side of it rather than gut the lineup and, and really, you know, create a hole there with Marte not being there. I think I'd rather take my put, bolster as much as you can. The way you said with the move to put Dickerson in center and keep those guys in the corners, because having Coop in there keeps that offense going, having Duvall in there, in theory, would keep that offense, keep the power option also as well. And then, you know, you, you you take your chances on that side of it. I think that's the best option that they could go with it rather than taking your chances and then mixing and matching too much and bringing up guys that, I mean, look, I like Lewis Brinson, but I don't know, you know, I mean, like, well, we don't know what how he's going to produce or if he's going to produce, if they were to bring him up, maybe he will, but that's that's the unknown element. I'd rather go with the sure thing. Well, no matter what, I feel like if Marte is missing time, they're going to have to bring him up, even if he is going to be on the bench and be a defensive replacement. You're right, but to, I meant for study, yeah, for, for starting-wise. Yeah. yeah, of course. Of course. And also, yeah. to go off of that notion of it, if they end up getting an early lead, you can always sub in Magnari, Sierra, or Lewis Brinson in the later innings of the game and shore up the defense when you need the, when you need to make sure you keep the lead over those final few innings. So, and so that scenario also accomplishes that you bring him up and you have him in key spots. And, and even for Brinson's sake, you, you start to get him in there, get him settled in. And then if something else happens, maybe you could slide him into a starting role if he can show something for you. Regardless of how they manage it, the Marlins know they're losing a key piece in Marte, no matter what his timetable is. Here's Marlins manager Don Mattingly explaining Marte's value to the club following Sunday's loss. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a big part of what we do. And he's a, that guy, that clog in the offense, defense, on the bases. Um, obviously, you see what happened last year with when he gets hurt. Um, it, it's like you don't really replace that. We don't have a replacement for that. Um, but at the end of the day, if it is whatever amount of time it is, you know, you just somebody steps in and does does what they do, and everybody else around him has to continue to to go, and that's really the reason of pulling out of the game. You don't want to lose this guy after six weeks or something. You know, if it's going to be a couple of weeks, if it's going to be ten days, it's going to be five days, whatever it is. We like to be the minimum. So, uh, you know, we'll see what it looks like. And now, but that also brings up the conundrum that Madden needs to figure out who's he batting second Marte has been that steady guy in the in the two hole all season yeah are you gonna flip your lineup completely I mean one obvious thing if it wasn't two lefties top of the line would be to move jazz straight up there but then right. you have both your lefties at the top of the line and it's all righties the rest of the way well, so are you moving Miggy up are you gonna figure are you just gonna push everybody else up to have Aggie two Cooper Duvall, three, four, Anderson five, et cetera, et cetera. Or and then whoever is in whoever replaced the moves down, or how would you approach this? I mean, I understand the matchup wise, but I would I mean jazz can generate a lot at the especially at the top. I mean, that wouldn't be a bad thing to kind of as a you know, 
as a table setter at the top too to kind of get things going early on. I mean, this team, it's really important for this team to get ahead early on. I mean, they can build leads and then, you know, kind of rely on whoever's on the mound, whether it's Sandy, Pablo, whoever, to kind of, you know, bridge it from there. I kind of like it, even though you – right, you don't want to stack up too many of your lefties at the top, like you said, but – Not just too I, I many, love the, all of your lefties. It would well, be you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, exactly. But but I'm saying you – yeah, you don't diversify your lineup throughout as much, but I think you do – I think it's it's tempting in the sense of Jazz can give you something and kind of start innings for you, you know, or even produce as an RBI guy. I mean, leadoff man gets on and, you know, he's got power. You never know. Maybe he gets you a 2 nothing lead right off the bat. Those are important things for this type of team that, that you know, generally speaking, is not going to score a ton of runs in most games. Is going to rely on that starter to, to get you there. And then to just circle off of Jazz, I mean, he's riding a seven-game hit streak right now dating back to – that home run off Jacob DeGrom that I still don't know how that was physically possible. 100 miles an hour above the strike zone, and he somehow was able to barrel in the right field. Yeah. In that seven-game hit streak, he's hitting 435, three home runs, five ribbies, six runs, and probably most important to me, five walks. Yeah. He's showing that plate discipline that we didn't see early on. He's finally hitting balls that are fastballs up in the zone, which is where – Pitchers were hit, were pitching to him early on. He was chasing and missing on those. He finally, I know it's early and it's a good streak right now, but it's good to see him producing the way that he has this early in this early in the season. The approach, I think, is the biggest thing because I think I'm, I'm pretty. I don't know if it was that at bat. I think it was that at bat that you mentioned, but it was like slider, slider. And he waited, like he, you know what I mean. Like he just he spit on those. He waited, 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 waited for his pitch, and then knocked it out. So he's doing that more and more often. His approach is what's impressed me at the plate for the most part. The patience, the way that you know he's not forcing things. He's way, you know, he's he knows the that guys have the scouting report on him a little bit now, and and he's adjusting back, which is what you have to do to be a great one. And, you know, you're gonna, he's going to have to do that his whole career time in and time out. And he's showing it. And that, that to me impresses me that for, for a guy who really hasn't had a ton of experience yet, that maturity at the plate to continue to, to, to really have an approach specific to each pitcher and, and, and it's working for him right now. And I think besides, you know, people are getting excited for the personality and the blue hair and all that. But to me, that's the that that's something that you spot right away and you say, "Wow, okay, he's got that ahead of schedule for a, you know more than a lot of people that would be right now." Yeah, and the fact that he's been able to back up again. You mentioned the blue hair. He's been able to back up the confidence and I guess you can say cockiness, but I mean that's just that's Jazz's personality. The fact that he's yeah. backing it up was that was my biggest concern going in was. Would he be able to actually have the results to go behind everything else that we're seeing from him? And yeah. he is showing it. Look, off the field, this team look, this team hasn't had a real like a like a face. And I think I, I might have mentioned that earlier, like a face of the franchise personality, you know, dynamic. Not that much in a while. And when you see stuff on Instagram, when you see stuff on TV. That that's it, it's on a major league level. You know that you know how it is. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll throw Tatis and they'll throw this guy or that guy. You don't see Marlins on there, not often, not barely at all, if ever. And lately, 
Jazz is being thrown into a lot of those little collages and little video montages and things like that. And that just shows you that, that, you know, it's, it's only beginning right now for him, but there's that potential to be that guy, to be the face of a franchise type because of all of that, because of, but, but you have to back it up also by being that type of player. And that's the impressive part that he is showing potential as a baseball player and back and like you said backing it up with that outgoing that dynamic that fun personality and all that so it, it's it's gonna be fun to see if, if he can continue to develop it and and hopefully it's he's a hopefully it does happen for him it's not you know just maybe now you know a blip let's see if he can keep it going and, and but I, I think it has the potential for that because there's too many factors he's showing that look like they're sustainable Definitely. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to finish recapping the rest of the Marlins week that was. Take a quick look ahead. And then we're going to have Andre dive into some bullpen analytics, which looking forward to this. We gave me a little bit of a preview ahead of time, and I'm really excited with the breakdown that's going to come. So we'll be right back. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, uh, I feel this off day came uh, in a perfect timing for us. I think uh, uh, pretty uh, competitive games the last couple of days, uh, really intense series in, in, in Atlanta. And I think we played really good baseball overall these last six games, uh, winning five of them. Uh, I think uh, our, our club uh, right now is not afraid to play against anybody and uh uh, we believe in ourselves and uh, having our record now like close to 500. It's a little bit easier for us. And uh, I think we just have to continue to show up every single day and play with energy, you know. Uh, days like today, they're going to happen. And we got an opportunity to have the game right there, you know. Uh, kind of sloppy on defense today. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, this this club has been, it's been so good uh, um overall defensively and uh, doing the little things and, and moving the runners over and, and, and with a little magic at the end of the game. So I'm, I'm really happy about the way that we've been playing and uh, definitely we, we're looking forward to continue the momentum uh, coming on, on Tuesday and, and playing that little series against uh, the Baltimore Orioles. All right, everyone, second half of the show is here. So Marte injury aside, the Marlins past week is probably the best case scenario they could have gotten. I mean, they would take three of four in Atlanta. They take two of three against the Giants. 
both of the losses were one run lo- were one run losses. This team, it feels like after all of the close case, the closeness and the worst case scenarios went there, went against them on that first homestand. Things finally seem to have tilted into their favor, and they're finally running towards it. They're hovering right around 500, which is kind of where they need to be at this point. Just, Andre, what was your biggest takeaway from these past two series? I think not getting buried. I mean, that was the biggest thing because we've seen more talented Marlins teams in the past, and, you know, fill in the blanks. We're talking four-plus years ago that were done by late April or done by May because they pretty much, and you didn't, and you didn't see this fight in them, you know, and, and they had more talent than they do right now. This is the opposite. Like this, these teams have fight, you know, like they really try, they really do are in the games and there's no, you know, that that's why they're in close games all the time. But I think the important part of it just was not letting that one and six spiral. And like we were talking about it, I'm like, God, they could be, this keeps up. They could be three and 15 or, or five and 20. And then, God, and then the season's over by May. But it's not the case. They stayed afloat, which was huge. And they did it by finally getting the offense going a little bit. You know, they're in a tough spot. Obviously, we know this. they have a couple starters down right now. Guys have stepped up and, and delivered some innings, but there's a lot of wear and tear too, which we'll get to later. But but I think the most the, the key takeaway was that just not getting buried, especially early on. I mean, right now other teams look. There's some elite teams that haven't found their legs yet. You know, Atlanta's one of them. You know, we've seen it on the American League side, like the Yankees. But it's important that you really that that they stay afloat in this division, especially which we've seen. You know how how tightly packed it is right now, but you know how some of those teams once they get going, it's gonna they're gonna be really hard to 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 stay behind. Yeah, definitely. And for me, it's again you mentioned the the fight and the closeness. Twelve of their fifteen games have been decided by three runs or less, and that's yeah. just to see the resiliency in there. Especially late, they won three of their last five, three of their the five games that they won between the Braves and Giants series all went all were extra inning games. That runner on second really started to pay dividends for them this this time around, which again insert Brandon Kinsler line here, uh, but also just the offense in general. The the two series with the Braves and the Giants, they averaged nearly ten hits a game, nearly six runs per game, and it wasn't just one guy doing everything. Yes, Jazz has hit four fifty in these in these yeah. two series, but. Jorge Alfaro with the walk-off, with the walk-off double and the, the RBI single in the ninth to help keep the rally going. You have Corey Dickerson, who had a four-hit game. You have Miguel Rojas coming producing, whether he's hitting leadoff for eighth. You have Jesus Aguilar getting on base every single game. You have Adam Duvall coming up with big home runs. They're finding ways to produce up and down the lineup and figure out ways to, even if they're not winning, showing that they're able to compete and not get blown out which has been a norm in the losses that we've seen over these last few years absolutely i mean there were games in atlanta that we've seen that you you know i'm here here texting you guys saying we've seen this movie too many times i hope it doesn't go down this road and they didn't i mean not only didn't but 
they went the right way and ended up winning and uh, the three out of four out there, which was very impressive. I mean, they were, they were very close to a sweep. I was there that last time, you know, we'll, we'll skip the D Gordon suspension ending, but I was there when they yeah. swept LA and that was a, and that at the time had that same feeling like, Holy crap, they just swept the Dodgers at Dodger stadium. It had that same feeling up until the last inning there, that you're thinking, wow, they're going to get a sweep at Truist against Atlanta? I mean, I know it's early, but damn, that's pretty good. But overall, in the grand scheme of things, I think it just goes back to that. The, the fact that the lineup finally started to connect, you start to see glimpses of what each guy can do. Now it's just a matter of consistency at the plate for some of them and being able to do it. You know, I know Alfaro's been talked about a lot. That was a good sign to see that. With him, I think the thing is the injury, too. How much is he still banged up? I mean, how much is that affecting him yeah. right now? And where that's going to hurt, I think, is not knowing yet in the big, in the grand scheme of things, how much that's going to set back knowing what they have in him, you know, because of the fact that it's just not 100% Alfaro. How long is he going to be not 100% Alfaro? That's going to set that timetable back. That's the the detriment to that. But overall, I think... The guys in the, in, in the lineup, you know, Dickerson, like you said, the four for four was good to see as well. And and it, as long as they can continue to, to consistently click. But again, it goes back to now you lose one of the arguably the most or close to the most important piece in there. And how do you adjust? Yeah. And the important thing is they're also in the dead heat with the division, which, again, it's early, but we all knew how tight the division was going to be through Mon- or through Sunday's games. The Mets are in first at seven and four. Obviously, they've had delays and delays and suspensions and games that only went nine pitches in and that shouldn't have even happened in the first place. The yeah. Phillies are eight and seven. The Marlins are right behind Philly at seven and eight. The Braves yeah. are seven and nine, and the Nationals are five and eight. So, and the Braves just lost Acuna for a little bit. They lost Acuna for a little bit. Yeah. it's like they have no starting pitching left with Freed on the IL with Soroka having another setback. Smiley just went on the IL. So it's there. <laughs> the chances there, it's just going to be tough because that's a lot that, that road trip coming up. Even the and, the, and you can't look past the Orioles. They had a good series the yes, other day, did. just recently against the Rangers. And look, as much as we say they didn't bury themselves, and I know I said that, and they didn't, but that's the one come up and gasp for air. They need like a few more of those because we're still talking a fraction of the season, 15. 15 games is still not a lot, so they still could fall into that pit and fall behind if they if 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 there's one bad swing here. So I think you know still it's a, it's still at a very crucial point where they can t- need to continue to stay to, to to stay in it, continue to be consistent. Don't let this thing spiral. You know, like like Mattingly says, try to win series, but if not, avoid these long losing avoid losing streaks where it kind of you know can can unravel quickly and the way they do that is to just you know stick to those approaches and continue to battle in these games with that said these next 12 games the two against baltimore and then the 10 on the road trip with four with san fran three with milwaukee three with dc how many do you think they need to win to do that to stay afloat (laughs) well I mean, it's a nine-game trip. A uh, ten-game. There's four ten-game with, trip. Four okay, with yeah, four Fran with four with San Fran. Yeah, that's right. It's a four, and and that and that. I mean, I know it's a day game followed by a night game, but still, you're flying out west coast, and 
that's tough right off the bat, the four-gamer out there. They tend to do well in San Fran, though. I mean, I, I honestly, you got to go at least five and five. You got to at least split it. I think to be to to really stay there, you got to stick like you said. You got to stick around the 500 mark, give or take, at least to get there. Now, if you get more, obviously, but don't let it. You you can't have a really you can't put up a stinker of a road trip and go like two and eight or or, or even three and seven, really, like something like that. I think, but with the way that these guys are pitching right now and and lineup starting to hit, that's the biggest thing. Is you have to knock on wood that those that Sandy can stay consistently you know pitching well pablo you know the, the the guys that are left in that rotation need to stay durable because as we've seen it's a lot of bullpen innings and that was my shameless transition there into we that go. segment i don't know is it time yeah i don't want to follow the script but it's time okay. that was actually a perfect way to segue into it because i was gonna <laughs> say that not just to stay consistent for sandy and pablo and trevor they need to keep going six plus because yeah. otherwise you're going to be burning out the bullpen. And with that, I will transition to you to let you start your breakdown, Andre. Well, before, yeah. And before I jump into that, Trevor graduating from prospect status already. And, uh, you know, cool to see. I mean, big jump he's had over the last year and a half to, to get to where he's at right now. But you're talking about him going six innings. That's something that we've seen the first two guys do. We haven't seen Trevor do it yet. So if he could start to to do that, you know, sometimes he's a high pitch guy in these starts. If he can maybe improve upon that a little bit, that'll help because when you look at this bullpen, I mean, I'm not even going to talk about save opportunities off the bat. What I want to, what I'm a little worried about is the wear and tear because right now they're the third. They have the third most relief appearances in baseball 62 overall that's behind only the Padres and the Pirates the league average right now is 48 going into Sunday you know that's well above that's a lot of innings being produced I mean you looked at a 59 innings out of 136 and two-thirds 43 percent of their innings are being eaten up by the bullpen and then the biggest stat that I found this is a metric they have on baseball reference that was pretty good the average leverage index, in other words, how many high leverage innings are these guys pitching, whether it's they're behind or ahead, the 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 median, the league average is is they go by they go by uh by, it's 1.0 is what they go by. 1.229 is where the Marlins are at. That's the second most leverage innings behind only the San Francisco Giants, the team that they're about to go out west to face for four games. So again, they are taxing this bullpen a lot right now, and and with mixed results. Some days it's good. Yimmy's been a bright spot in that closer role, and I think he should continue to do it. But these days, you need—you know—I know it's not the term, but you need almost a backup closer, maybe even two, because you're not going to have Yimmy roll him out there three, four days in a row, obviously, and, and and continue to tax that. But overall, it's a little concerning to me that. It's so much bullpen usage, and I know it's because two star Eliezer's out, two starters out right now overall. But at some point, you know, you need to think they, they, you know, for the for the marathon that this is, 147 to go. Those guys are going to have to push a little further into into starts. Yeah, that's definitely a great breakdown, Andre. And to circle back off of Yimmy and just that closer situation, Yimmy has been lights out. And everybody else who has attempted that spot has not. 
We saw yeah. Anthony Bass on, I think it was three different occasions now. We saw Dylan Floro in the last game against Atlanta after a sterling start to the season just fall apart in that first chance to actually close out of the game. It's just yeah. that mentality of finding the guys who are great in the seventh and eighth and having them with that mental being able to make that mental adjustment of knowing when the game's on the line and it's on their left arm or right arm. And the Marlins haven't been able to find a guy not named Jimmy Garcia who's able to mentally handle that role. Not, not everybody can handle those last three. It's, it's, it's very few. It takes a lot, you know, just on the mental side of it. And Jimmy seems to be one that more often than not can. But here's where this, the, the situation this creates is, we're here talking. We're today. We're starting the show with a Starling Marte injury topic. What if one day we're starting soon with a Yumi Garcia injury yep. topic? Then what do they do? Then they're in big trouble. So you need to have that guy you can rely on as again. I, I just throw like a backup or a second option. Heck, even most teams now try to even have maybe a third option there, like in reserve, like an emergency guy you go to that when you need to close if you burned out your other two guys a little bit you know it's it's something that they need to find some reliability on some of those guys and i you know you mentioned floral and i think i like you know just from his stuff the kind of pitching the kind of pitches he throws he's the guy that you would assume would have that kind of a of a mix that can be good in that spot so you hope to see that maybe if he gets another shot at it maybe he can come through and kind of give that little bit of flexibility so they don't have to burn Yimmy out. But in, in, in total in the bullpen, again, guy, you have too many guys that, that they just don't have the experience. They have Trevor is still only a rookie. You know, I know he uh, graduated prospect status, but just the other day, Nick Neidert is, is still a rookie. So it's guys that still are working their way into their major league roles and are high pitch guys. I mean, it, it's going to be hard. They're going to, you can't just rely on the two on, on, and Pablo, you know, over the years, you know, we hope he continues to stay durable. You know, Sandy could do it, but you need, you need the guys in those other rotation spots to push a little harder. Yeah. And then that fifth spot right now, you have Daniel Castano in there for, for now, but again, he's only gone beyond Another five one. innings, yeah. I think one time. And that was that relief appearance in New York. Right. So, he's another one. He's another one that you see most of the time. Maybe he's kind of, you know, even if he's efficient, even if he's putting up good results, I mean, maybe it's 90 pitches by the time he's, he's working the fifth inning. Mm -hmm. Like there's too many of those. And then, and that's the thing immediately you're going to go to the pen at some point. It, it, this is going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to manage innings because the it's, it's already, it looks like it's pretty taxing as it is. Yeah. And to circle back on that injury front, uh, Edward Cabrera, Eliezer Hernandez, and Sixo Sanchez are all throwing, but it's <clears> off flat surface. They haven't done anything, any mound work yet. Yeah, so it's still going to be a while before any of those three are realistically options to be back up in the rotation, which means it's the five guys who you have now, Sandy, Pablo, Trevor, Neidert, and Daniel Cassano. Braxton Garrett's an option if you end up needing, needing another guy. Uh, Sean Morimondo is at the alternate training. I think he's the only other guy who mm -hmm. has done multiple inning type work who is available unless they end up doing an opener type role with John Curtis or Paul Campbell. Yeah. And John Curtis has done a pretty good job too, 
and in his role so far, survive till the summer. Really, what it is because, like you said, you're looking at those guys. They're they're not quite there yet in their throwing programs and 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 their rehabs yet. So probably still going to be close to at least another month, probably until you even get even close to to considering bringing them up. Yeah, survive till June and somehow manage those arms and don't burn everybody, don't break anybody, and don't burn every anybody out as much as possible and, and see if uh, by that point they're still afloat and still full strength. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's going to be interesting to monitor over the next month, month and a half to see how they're able to handle that. And before we end the show today, gotta wish happy birthday to Don Mattingly. Six, he turns good old 60 to 60 today. And it's, Hard to believe that I just said that. <laughs> I feel I feel my feel old moment of the day brought to you by Jordan McPherson. <laughs> Had to get it in there for you, Dre. <laughs> yep, he's still a hey, he's still the mustache uh, dotting baseball that I watched. Uh, you know, on the, on, with Phil Rizzuto calling those Yankees games when I was a kid. That's what he's always going to be for me. But you know, good for Donnie. Happy birthday, Donnie! And and hey, again. Most sixty-year-olds do not have those guns. No, they do not. <laughs> and he showed them the other day. Everybody didn't catch, still hasn't caught that picture of him in the pool. Those are pretty good guns for a sixty-year-old. So, congrats, Donnie, and have a good one. And on that note, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Fish Bites. Thanks so much again for tuning in. We'll be back again next week, but in the meantime, you can get all of our Marlins coverage online at MiamiHerald.com, including our new Marlins Report weekly video segment. He's Andre Fernandez. I'm Jordan McPherson. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll send you out this week with some sound bites from Marlins infielder Jazz Chisholm Jr. from the Braves series on speaking about his season to this point, when he felt like the game started to slow down for him, and just how he keeps the atmosphere light and fun. Thanks again, everyone. Uh, I felt like it was like I was seeing the ball well right off the bat, you know, from opening day to today, you know, I feel like I've been hitting the ball hard every day and like staying with it. And no matter that I'm not getting like some balls aren't falling every day uh, that I'm not getting frustrated and I'm going out there playing hard, trying to help my team win in any way I can. So that's what I'm going to keep doing. I mean, baseball is a game, you know, it's a child's game. That's what we got to remember out there, you know, like, yeah, like you're competing in a very professional sport and a very hard sport, but at the same time, it's a child's game. You got to go out there and have fun every day. And Acuna has fun. We have fun. So it's going to be a fun battle every day. We walk out there. We're going to mess with each other, mess with Ozzy, mess with Dansby, Acuna, Ozuna, I'm looking in the dugout after I make a play, you know what I mean? Just messing around with them. Freddie, great guy, you know. I don't know if you guys saw he smacked me on the butt, like they're on the pickoff <laughs> a little hard. And that was his payback after I made that play. So I mean, like, it's just it's just a lot of fun to go out there and play against guys who are also having fun, you know what I mean? Not taking it too seriously. Oh, I mean, it's extremely fun. You know, we, we're having fun in the dugout pitch by pitch. You know, uh, we're cheering each other on. Like when uh, when a guy doesn't do a job, we we rely on the other the the other guy because we're so confident in each other now that everything's going. The offense is running and it's just so contagious that we're going to keep on doing it, you know.